Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Or Lean's Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 664. That's a sound that does not please people who live near its source. To put it mildly, it's a sound made by the gigantic whirling blades of energy-generating wind turbines. Birds are also negatively affected by these blades, but in a much more dramatic and tragic way. Here in the U.S. every year, hundreds of thousands of birds are killed by flying into the blades of wind turbines, whose speed may be deceiving, or is deceiving. It looks like they're going around fairly slowly, and they are at the hub, but at the tips may reach 180 miles per hour in strong winds. And the sound the blades make, as annoying as it may be to humans, does not, unfortunately, keep the birds away. And yet it may still be sound that will help birds avoid those blades. A team led by Dr. John Swaddle at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia, has conducted research to see if birds could be dissuaded from flying straight into the blades by mounting speakers on the devices that emit a sound signal called pink noise, not to help the birds warn each other away, but kind of the opposite, to disrupt communication between them, making them nervous and likely to disperse. It's a preliminary study, but seems to offer some potential for reducing the mortality of birds associated with those spinning blades. Speaking of sounds, lots of folks are hearing this out in the woods lately. It's late February. Much of the country still battling ice and snow and cold. Not a good time of year, really, for birds to nest in general, but for the great horned owl... Just about perfect for breeding and incubating eggs and rearing young. They're out there hooting just about every night. We can listen in by going on an owl prowl. A lot of those are going on all over the country, literally. From Alaska, like the one in Anchorage on February 28th, to Florida, like the Palm Bay event on the 25th, which they're calling the Spring Owl Prowl offering chances to hear and maybe even see great horned owls. Check with your local Audubon group or other bird group for info on how to get in on the action. can be a really fun thing. Other owl species getting active, too. Let's listen to a few of them in succession here, starting with the eastern screech owl. Then the ping-pong sound of the western screech owl. And there's the famous, uh, who cooks for you, the bard owl. And then the really scary one, the barn owl. Goosebumps all around. Well, there's a sad bird anniversary coming this week. On Wednesday, to be precise, it's the 100th anniversary of the passing of Incas. 
the last captive Carolina parakeet who died at the Cincinnati Zoo on February 21st, 1918, in the same cage as Martha, the last passenger pigeon, who died there in 1914. Well, in case you hadn't heard, February's National Bird Feeding Month, it started in 1994 when an Illinois congressman named John Porter cared so much about the health and welfare of the birds that he read a resolution into the congressional record that read in part, Mr. Speaker, I'd like to recognize February, one of the most difficult months in the United States for wild birds as National Bird Feeding Month. And so it came to pass. Meanwhile, it's last call for the Great Backyard Bird Count Citizen Science Project, collecting data on wild birds to create an annual snapshot of the distribution and abundance of birds that started on Friday, February 16th, and continues through Monday, February 19th. Uh, oh, that, that, wait, hold on a second. Six, seven, eight. Yeah, that's right, I think. <laughs> and they tell us it's not too late to sign up. That is if you're hearing our show on Sunday the 18th. Confirm those dates are correct and sign up at birdcount.org. That's birdcount.org. That would be the sound of our mystery bird. This is our preview of the mystery bird contest. We have a beautiful batch of prizes from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders in Audubon Park, Wild Bird Food, and the Larkwire app. Our mystery bird is a large and robust bird with a white face and black head, neck and upper breast, and a white belly. The wings and back are silver gray with black and white bars that appear to shine when the light reflects on them during a flight or during flight, a V-shaped white rump patch and the silver-gray underwing linings are visible. Our bird feeds mainly on grass, but will also eat seaweed, aquatic insects, mollusks, and shellfish. Our bird breeds mainly on the Arctic islands of the North Atlantic and occasionally appears in the Northeast United States. Some sightings, though, believe to be escaped individuals since they're popular with waterfowl collectors. The preview there of our mystery bird contest, which will be activating a little bit later on in this morning's show. Extra, extra, read all about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our extra, Facebook extra, page this week. Rubber plungers as bird feeders? Yes, says Talking Birds listener Andre in Trois-Rivières, Quebec. We have a photo of her idea in action on our Facebook page. Five traditions that are terrible for the environment. We'll link you to the photo essay from the folks at 911.com. And the romantic entanglements of birds will connect you to a story from public radio station WCAI. Be prepared for a few surprises. Some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories through an online search. In case you're not a Facebook follower. Well, we've been saluting <clears throat> big corporations lately, like McDonald's, for example. And I'm afraid we're about to do it again uh, by saluting... That's right. Anheuser-Busch InBev Corporation maker of Budweiser is pledging that all of its purchased electricity will come from renewable sources by the year 2025. The company says the change will reduce its carbon footprint by 30%, the equivalent of removing 500,000 cars from the road. So a Talking Birds 
conservation salute to the folks who make Budweiser and a lot of other beer brands as well. We'd like to say hello and thank you to our newest Talking Birds ambassadors, Ethan from Sandwich, Illinois, who transformed himself from a Mystery Bird Contest winner last week to our latest ambassador. Thank you, Ethan. He says, I just recently got into birding and am having a lot of fun with it. It has given me a great way to connect with my father-in-law, who was also a birder. I'm trying to get him to listen to the show. And then he asked about becoming a Talking Birds ambassador, which he now is, and he says, I also appreciate how conservation-minded the birding community is. Thank you so much, Ethan. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll join Ethan in our Talking Birds ambassadors program. Just hand out some of our cards to your friends. Easy to do and sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, have you watched any birding movies lately. Nick Lund, a.k.a. The Birdist, has, and he'll give us a little overview and a few opinions. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment with more about suet. And up next, we take you to a hearing on Capitol Hill to meet today's featured feathered friend presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. We're ready for the first witness in today's hearing. Oh, with help from your interpreter, sir, please tell us, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Uh, That's a no, Senator. Well, it says here that you are a red soldier. Uh, No, Senator. He's a red shoulder. I see. Well, we're concerned here about security... Are you a hawk or a dove? Uh, Senator, uh, he, he says if he were to fly over to where you are and snatch your toupee with his talons, you'd know the answer. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Why, you're in contempt of these herons. Sergeant-at-arms, remove these individuals from this chamber. Yes, it's the red-shouldered hawk, a beautiful butio, a genus of raptors characterized by robust bodies and broad wings. It's somewhat similar to the more familiar red-tailed hawk, but smaller and without the red tail. The red-shoulder's tail is black with thin white stripes, and the reddish shoulders, visible when the bird is perched, are matched by reddish bars on the chest and belly. When seen in flight from below, The adult red shoulder appears pale orange with a very light area near the wingtips, sometimes described as appearing translucent. The red-shouldered hawk's prey consists mainly of small mammals, frogs, and snakes that it hunts from perches. It's a year-round resident in the eastern half of the U.S. and in California, with some birds spending the winter in Mexico. Here's the sound of the red-shouldered hawk again, outside of the hearing room. Butio lineatus, the red-shouldered hawk. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 664. Hope you'll visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Birds. And now we are proud and excited to welcome back the one, the only...
the birdist, a.k.a. Nick Lund, who is here to talk about movies this morning. A little uh, movie fanfare and a fanfare for Nick. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. Let's go out to the movies. <laughs> All right, I know you have your popcorn and you're sitting up there, third row in the balcony. So we, That's uh, right. We probably start with the, the one that I guess most people or many people know about from 2011, The Big Year. Some big name stars in that one. That's right. So I, I've watched all the movies I could find about birders, not birds themselves, but birders. Hmm. And I think The Big Year is probably the tentpole of the group. It's the <laughs> biggest stars, the biggest budget. It's based on uh, the book, the 2004 book, The Big Year, that um, a lot of birders love. And uh, it's a it's a great little movie. It's a good little movie. Steve Martin, Jack Black, yeah. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Um, I think for hardcore birders, we were a little disappointed because uh, you know there were some ornithological errors in the movie. There are some shovelers on Atu and a uh, some spoiler alert birds that would give it away that are slightly incorrect. Um, I, people have probably seen it. Can I spoil it? There's a pink-footed oh, yeah. goose in yeah. Colorado, which is way out of. Uh, I'm spoiling it. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm doing it. Um, it's a it's a great little movie, uh, and uh, probably you know the biggest exposure that birders have ever had uh, on film. I'd say another movie with uh, same uh, well, actually a more recent one, 2013, had another big star, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, I believe. Sir ben, sorry, Sir Ben Kingsley, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I won't I won't tell him that you said that. All right. Um, and also, Ken Kaufman makes an appearance, a famous birder. Yeah, he's birders at the end of everything. He's at yep. a wedding, I think. Does that sound right? And yeah, getting yeah. ready to throw rice or, or nitrous seed um, or something. Yeah. I good question. Now yeah. I forget exactly what his cameo is, but he's in there. Yeah. So you know, uh, you know, it's it's accurate. The movie's called A Birder's Guide to Everything, and I think Ken's involvement. Um, I think he actually uh, worked as a consultant on the film too. It's, I think, the most accurate birding film that there is. So, you know, a lot of times we'll see movies and they'll be a bald eagle, but it'll sound like a red-tailed hawk or something. That doesn't happen in this movie. Mm -hmm. All the warblers are correct. The songs are correct. All the sort of lingo they use is correct. Mm -hmm. um, it really feels like um, it was made by and for a bunch of birders. By the way, I forgot to mention this. I believe that, and I think it was in the Big Year movie, that they actually did some filming at Mike O'Connor's store, the Birdwatcher's ah. General Store on the Cape, and he claims that in the, in the flight sequence, where they're flying either to or from Atu, yeah. that a, a hat with the Birdwatcher's General Store logo on it is visible in the movie. Holy yeah. cow, you we got to go scope it out. Yeah, you got to really look for it, but it's in there. All somewhere. right, any, less, any listeners, go get a screenshot of that, and we can send it over to the store. Exactly. Okay, also 2013, none other than Fred Willard was one of the stars in The Birder. That's the first title. Then they changed the name. Birdman! Not, bird, <laughs> not Birdman, but The Birdmen. Right. The Birdman. This, yeah. this is another movie, 2013. Graham Greene, who, who's a yeah. uh, well-known actor. Tom Cavanaugh, who I know from the show Ed. Hmm. Uh, this is a little Canadian, quirky Canadian uh, comedy about Tom Cavanaugh, who uh, was passed over for a position at uh, his local park, an ornithological position. So he's trying to get back at the guy who got the job. It's a, it's a cute little comedy. Uh, very inaccurate in terms of birds. Um, but delightful, nevertheless. All right, 2001, another big name. William Hurt was in William one Hurt. called Rare Birds. Rare Birds. This yeah. movie, I really wanted it to be good, and it was not good. <laughs> it has a great premise, which is that William Hurt owns a 
restaurant in remote Newfoundland that's not getting any business, and to try to bring people there, he fakes a, or a sighting of an extinct bird, and he like mm. makes a you know ma- makes this duck and sticks it out in the water, and so all these people come, <laughs> and it's a sort of fun little thing, but then it just goes off the rails, and there's there's black ops. FBI guys around and drug dealers and stuff. Whoa! Um, right. It uh, it it really lost me, but it had something there. Maybe this is the one I would remake if I uh, if I had the if I was a producer. All right, rare birds. And then speaking of names, Don Knotts and Edmund <laughs> O'Brien in the same movie, The Love God. This is back in the sixties. In the sixties, this movie is insane, and I highly recommend anybody watching it. Don Knotts owns a bird-watching magazine that goes out of business and is bought by these mafia guys and turned into, like, a Playboy nudie magazine. And then Don Knotts becomes the love god, question mark? This mm. Somehow, like, uh, you know, handsome, sexy wow. uh, owner of this magazine. And uh, it's all very silly uh, Don Knotts style, but was a fun watch. That must have been based on a true story. I think right. it was. I think it was. <laughs> 2009, Pelican Blood. Yeah, Pelican Blood is a, is an interesting one. Very different than the others. Um, it's a very sort of gritty um, movie set in the UK among the birding scene there with some people dealing with, you know, drugs and depression. I actually really liked it. It's a side of birding that doesn't get shown on uh, a lot. It's, it's quite accurate as far as that goes. Um, and uh, kind of a trippy, trippy watch. Mm, here's another kind of, sounds like another kind of a down one called The Hide. Yeah, this is actually not available online. I watched as much of it as I could. It's about a guy who's uh, in a bird hide out in a remote wetland, and uh, a uh, this guy busts in, and he may be a criminal, he may not be a criminal, and it's sort of the two of them having a little standoff in this hide out, mm-hmm. out in the wetland. We have one more from 2015, the Society of Birdwatchers. Yeah, this is a Canadian short film um, that makes very little sense. <laughs> it's very barely about birding, um, hmm. but it it is technically about birders. Uh, I think you should all watch it and then get back to me about what you think. Okay, it says here on your notes you can watch it for free on YouTube. That's right. Uh, There are links on my Audubon column column to where you can watch all of these films online. Okay, and that Audubon column, The Birdist's Rules of Birding, find it at audubon.org, and also find Nick at his own website, thebirdist.com. Nick, thanks for the movie reviews. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Ray. Nick Lund here on Talking Birds, and it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Steve, and I'm calling from Stockholm, Wisconsin. My name is William, and I'm calling from Stockholm, Wisconsin. I first knew that Will would really like Talking Birds because of his love for birds. He loves nature, he loves the outdoors. My favorite place to go birding is Whitefish Point. I found a new bird there every time we've gone. We listen to Talking Birds as a family every Sunday morning. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Our Mystery Bird Contest is sponsored by Audubon Park Wild Bird Food. Look for Audubon Park next time you're buying food 
for your backyard birds. That's a son of our bird, a large and robust bird with a white face and black head, neck and upper breast and white belly. The wings and back are silver gray with black and white wing, uh, black and white bars that appear to shine when the light reflects on them. During flight, a V-shaped white rump patch and the silver-gray underwing linings are visible. Our bird feeds mainly on grass, but also eats seaweed and other stuff. Breeds mainly on the Arctic islands of the North Atlantic, but occasionally appears in the Northeast United States. We have another beautiful package of prizes. If you can be first to identify that mystery bird or... Don't identify it and win in our drawing if no one gets the correct answer. We have from Droll Yankees, the Droll Yankees cute feeder, the cutest little chickadee feeder for any type of food. Bonus prizes, Audubon Park seed cakes, a four-pack fruit, woodpecker, mealworm, and wild bird food, and the LarkWire app, the award-winning app for mastering bird sounds in a really fun way. Those are our prizes. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Tell us the answer or take your guess. 781-837-4900. Next, more about suet with our man Mike O'Connor. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. It's February, National Bird Feeding Month, and our friends at Audubon Park remind us that birds are counting on us for nutritious, high-energy food to help them cope with cold weather conditions. Look for Audubon Park Wild Bird Food and be confident that you're providing the proper nutrition for your backyard visitors. And for the best photos, news, alerts, and more, sign up for Audubon Park's free e-newsletter sent to your inbox once a month. Sign up at AudubonPark.com. That's AudubonPark.com. Now a word from our friends at Birdwatching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Birdwatching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. Mike O'Connor is down there at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, to tell us more about suet. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Ray. Just a quick update on um, you guys talking about the movies. No, the, um, when they did the big year, they did yeah. they t- bought a lot of stuff from our shop for okay. props, but they didn't really film it there. They didn't film. Okay. And right. then, and on the flight back from that too, Jack Black was was reading my book. Why don't woodpeckers get headaches? So oh, that's okay. the part, that was the thing you were mentioning about yeah. the hat. The hat's in there someplace else. Yeah. And they're all hard to find. They're just little blips. Only I notice them, and I was the one making the, the most noise when the movie was playing in the theater. <laughs> okay, we weren't very accurate in our description of the, the filming there, but uh, anyway. You, that's thank right. you but that's for, cool. It was all cool. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. Well, imagine we're talking about suet two weeks in a row, because uh, apparently there's a lot more about suet than, than a lot of people might think. We talked about how good it was last week, but... What, some downsides of suet? Well, the downsides of suet, and I think one of your callers or one of your writers had mentioned this, somebody like, they add ingredients to suet. Now, in the old days, we used to just put out suet, regular beef suet, and when we first got into the business, you couldn't sell suet in the summer because it would just melt. Mm-hmm. So they started adding grains to it, which keeps it from melting. So you can kind of use suet year-round. The trouble is, when you add the grains, uh, squirrels go for it. Ah. So, so in the winter, you can use pure suet, and, you, and you're not likely to get squirrels on it at all. 
But when you start using the year-round sewer, that's what the that's what the squirrels are going for. And so they make these feeders that are basically a suet feeder inside a cage, so it's a cage within a cage, and then the birds can go in and reach on, under and get the, the suet out, and those are available, and those are pretty good against the squirrels, so you could, you could do that. The, also, the other problem with suet, um, and this applies to uh, suet with grain or without grain, it's raccoons. They're going to take it no matter what configuration you put it on. And raccoons are notorious, come out at night. A lot of people say, well, we don't have any raccoons. Well, you do, because they come out at night. And if your suet feeder is missing, when you get up in the morning, it's not the squirrel's fault, it's the raccoons. And with that, you have two options. The cage isn't going to help you, because they're going to, they're almost like a bear, they're just going to rip it apart. You can um, you can use a baffle system like you can with a squirrel, which is a pole with a specialized raccoon baffle, and that will stop them. It's just a little bit expensive. Or you can go the cheap version, which is just to take your feeder in at night. A lot of people do that, and they just take the feeder in at night when the raccoons are active, and then they just hang it back out in the morning. But then again, a lot of people don't want to be going out at, you know, at sunset, and you know, and their slippers are out there in the morning in their bathroom putting out a suet feeder. So then the a raccoon baffle on a post is, is the better option right. in that situation. There it is. More about suet in the kind of a reality check. That's right. I got to get ready for my next movie, so okay. I got to go in the movie. <laughs> thank you, Mike. All right, we'll talk to you next week. All right, and thank you, Lissa, for sending in that question. By the way, about uh, why they mix cornmeal with uh, suet, since it's insect eaters that are going after the suet. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. We're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this mystery bird. A large and robust bird, a big honking bird uh, with a white face and black head and neck and upper breast. And a white belly, wings and back silvery gray with black and white bars during flight, a V-shaped white rump patch and the silver gray underwing linings are visible. What might it be? Tell us or take a guess. You could still win in a drawing if you don't have the exactly uh, correct answer. Prizes, a Droll Yankee's cute feeder, the cutest little chickadee feeder for any type of food. It even helps you manage the size of visiting birds with a height-adjustable dome. Bonus prize, Audubon Park, seed cakes, four-pack, fruit, woodpecker, mealworm, wild bird food, that ought to cover it, in the LarkWire app, the award-winning app for mastering bird sounds. 781-837-4900 is the number to call if you think you can identify that mystery bird. Let's see if Charlotte, somewhere in the great state of Rhode Island, uh, is on the line with us. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I have to ask where because I'm from Rhode Island, so I want to see if you're from my neighborhood there. Ah. <laughs> Bristol. From Bristol. Yes, no, sir. nowhere close. I'm from Pawtucket, so uh, ah, I, yes. I know about Bristol. That is one of the most beautiful towns in America. It sure is. It really is. All right. Well, uh, Charlotte, what about our mystery bird? You heard the clues and all that? A barnacle goose. Sounds like a top quality answer, but even better than that, it's the correct answer. <laughs> barnacle goose. Yes, indeed. We had a story once. I don't know if you heard this, Charlotte. Maybe we should play it again sometime in our featured feathered friend segment because it was there's some really some amazing myths about this bird it was once believed that barnacle geese were not hatched from eggs but born from what else barnacles 
Uh, it was believed, yeah, it was believed that because they never were seen in the summer, so uh, they figured they were developing underwater in the form of barnacles. Oh, um, okay, yeah, we, we, don't think, we don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh, I'll stop looking then. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte, and we'll be sending you uh, that Audubon Park uh, packet there, that four pack, and uh, the Droll Yankees cute feeder. You might have a couple of chickadees down there in Bristol. Oh, we sure do. All right. And uh, yes. how about this? We're sending you the LarkWire app. Uh, you can put it on your uh, your phone if you have a, a smartphone, or you can put it on a computer or laptop. Helps you uh, master bird sounds. Oh, that'd be great! All right, all that'd coming. Be great. All Thank heading, you. All heading for Bristol. Thank great. you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. Bye-bye. All right. The Barnacle Goose, our mystery bird. Next week, we'll listen to one of the great phenomena in the bird world, the Dawn Chorus with acoustic ecologist Gordon Hempton. He's a Grammy Award winner for his documentary, Vanishing Dawn Chorus. Also next week, in response to long-neglected listener requests for Talking Birds swag, hats, T-shirts, and such, we'll announce and provide details about our new Make Your Own Swag contest. Thanks to Mark Duffield, Debbie Bleacher, and our engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee.